0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. You might have noticed that your teaching notes are just a little different this morning, and that's because we're in between series. Our next series doesn't start until next week. And so it gave me the opportunity to begin to pray and ponder what would be a message that I would bring that's not attached to a series. And so uh, quite a few thoughts uh, went through my mind. I began to kind of try to work on some stuff. I didn't feel settled with any of those. Uh, and so I knew, keep on praying, keep on trying to figure this out, keep on seeking God. And then it dawned on me, it occurred to me that... Uh, Today's Halloween. It's the the day that I'm going to be presenting this message, but right away, I also knew that I was not going to bring a message on the perils of Halloween, and I did not want to bring a message that was um, uh, focused on our adversary. I I really didn't want to exalt the, the enemy today in this place, so I thought... Wow, what a great day, as is every day, but what a great day on this Halloween that together that we had a message that focused on and exalted Jesus. So that's exactly what we're going to do today. And so if you will, open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2. And while you're turning there, there are four names that I want to speak out um, as best I would know, none of these names would mean anything to you, but all of these names have very special meaning to me. And here are those names. The first name is Clarence Jackson. The second name is Larry Irvin. The third name is Chuck Shoemake. And the fourth name is Larry Titus. Now, let me tell you a little bit about each of those men. Um, These men, they're important to me because every single one of these men from my childhood even into now have had tremendous spiritual impact in my life. For instance, uh, Clarence Jackson was a Sunday school teacher when I was just a a little one. And and, uh, Clarence Jackson uh, modeled what it meant to have a curious um, love for and engagement with the Bible. He taught us that in Sunday school at a very, very early age. Um, Larry Irvin, he was my pastor as a teenager, and he taught me, he modeled for me what it means to be a loving pastor. I mean, he just did it so well. Uh, Chuck Shoemaker. Chuck Shoemaker uh, was someone that I uh, became... Uh, involved with encountered uh, in my college years. He was one of my college professors, but he became much more than that. He became a mentor, a counselor to myself and to Cami over the years. And, and, and Chuck shoemaker modeled uh, what it means uh, to allow God to um, nurture and heal my soul. We all go through wounded times, right? And he taught me how to, how to allow the Holy Spirit to bring healing into those places. And then Larry Titus. Uh, Larry Titus, I met in my later ministry years, Cammie and I did, met he and his wife. And um, he modeled for me fatherly love uh, as he spoke into me my spiritual identity. He would say things like, Stan, you are an incredibly awesome man of God. And he would just speak those things into me. So all four of these men had tremendous impact. They still have tremendous impact on me all throughout my life, even till now. These men were role models in my life. A role model is simply a person that can be looked to because their life is worth it. Imitating. So with, uh, with that, uh, you've heard me speak out the names of four role models in my life. But I want you to think for a moment. Who are some of the spiritual role models in your life? Who are some of the people that have impacted you greatly? I want you to just kind of recall their names. Think about that for a moment. Now, now, with this, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do the same thing I did, at least in part. I want you, in a moment, I'll tell you when, to, to speak out some of those names. You don't have to tell us how or why they impacted you, what, what they modeled for you, but I'd just like to hear some of those names. So, let's go. What are some of the names of the people who were spiritual role models for you? Barbara Gage. Okay. Keep on speaking out. Speak them a little louder. What'd you do? Okay. Jesse Bracey. Let's Hear a few more. Debbie Titus. Maurice Hossfelder. Joey Yarmolenko. Matthew Marshall. Sarah Any more? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Any others? few more. Any more? That's powerful when we think about it. A dozen or so names of people who have had spiritual impact. They've been role models in our life. Here's what I know. God intentionally and God strategically places these people in our lives. And what I know... For the role models who have impacted me, and I believe it's true about everyone that you just mentioned, is that these are people who modeled for you what Jesus modeled for them. Would that be true? They've been modeling for you what Jesus has modeled for them. And so today, as we focus on Jesus, as we exalt Jesus, we want to just take some time to uh, consider Jesus as the ultimate role model. So I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, uh, 5 through 8, and then uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, In Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset Even death on a cross. Um, for the past 10 weeks, we've been accustomed to referring to what James said. So today, it's a bit different as we look at Philippians. What we find is the Apostle Paul writing, and as he writes in the verses that we've uh, just read, he um, establishes Jesus as the ultimate role model. And not only does he establish that Jesus is the ultimate role model, but he doesn't make a suggestion, but he actually makes a command. And the command is, have the same mindset. Be like this Man. In verse five, he said, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I want you to listen to this, uh, that verse 5 in, in several other translations. In the American Standard Version, it says, have this mind in you, which was in Christ Jesus. In the uh, Common English Version, it says, and think the same way that Jesus thought. In the Weymouth Translation, it says, let this disposition be in you, that is in Christ Jesus. In the Weist Translation, listen to this, it says, this mind be having constantly in you as was in Christ Jesus. And finally, in the Phillips translation, it says, let Christ himself be your example as to what your attitude should be. And that's my favorite. That's my favorite translation because it leaves no doubt about what Paul is saying, what he's commanding. Jesus Christ is our ultimate role model. Paul is saying, let Christ be your example. And remember, it's a command. Christ should be, Christ shall be your your role model, your example. Um, And if this is true, and it is then what does that look like? When we say Christ is to be our role model, what does that look like? What is it we're looking for in Jesus? What is it that He models for us? And as we think about those four verses that I read, I think those four verses could be summarized with two general thoughts. And the first that is that Jesus is the ultimate role model of humility. And then we could say Jesus is the ultimate role model of submission. He was the example, the role model of humility in that, remember, it said Jesus, who in very form, very nature, was God. In other words, this this was God himself. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. God, the Son. God, in in very nature, in very form, God did not consider his equality with God. So, all of the power that was available to him, all of the prestige, he did not consider that something that he would take and use for his own advantage. But instead, what does it say he did? He emptied himself. That was the act of humiliation, the example of humiliation, and it was through this act of emptying himself that he was shown to be the ultimate role model of submission. As the model of submission, Jesus voluntarily set aside the privileges of his deity, and he submitted himself to, or he brought himself under the the direct care and control of God, That word control kind of scares us sometimes, right? But if you're going to bring yourself under anyone's control, it's to bring yourself under the direct control of Jesus. Listen, when uh, when it says he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, he didn't stop being God when he emptied himself. He didn't give up his deity. Instead, he chose, he voluntarily set aside the rights and the privileges uh, uh, that that came with deity. And, And here's what he did. He accepted the limitations of a flesh and blood body. He was God and he came down and he took on the form that we had. And so with that, do you have any limitations in your flesh and blood body? Raise your hand. As you get older, do you have more and more limitations in your flesh and blood body? Yeah, all my aching back. Um, We can see this humility and this submission lived out as we uh, look at Jesus and his life in the Gospels. Um, And I want to just give you some of the things that we see modeled. Jesus is our ultimate role model and, and, and the one to imitate, the life to imitate. Because first of all, he modeled what it means to walk in the ways of our Heavenly Father. He chose a way to walk, and it was in the ways of the Heavenly Father. Listen to uh, John chapter 5, verse 19. It says, Jesus, and we're just going to use Scripture to prove this. This isn't just about what I think. We'll just let Scripture prove itself. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself, He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. So Jesus was imitating his life after the father. You know what that means? When we imitate our lives after Jesus, we're actually imitating our lives after the father. What what does this mean for us? Well, uh... When, when I think about what it means, I'm drawn back to our study in James. In James uh, chapter 1, it said, don't just listen to the word, but do what it says. Or I think about Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. That, that came from God. That, that's the way from God. Or, or I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering that's, that's, that's the way of, uh, uh, of God. And I think about Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And he meditates on that law day and night. And this is what Jesus modeled for us. So for us, it looks like an intentional way of life based on a growing involvement with God's word. And I wrote in my notes here, how involved are you? How involved are we? How involved are we in God's word? You know, it's so easy to make the profession of being a Christ follower and and say all the right things, but not necessarily do all the right things because we're not engaged. We're not engaged. We're not involved in the Word. So I'm asking you today, I had to ask myself the same question even this morning. What is your involvement with the Word of God? Is it occasional? Is it never Listen, it's not about quantity, but are you spending some time engaging with God? Because the only way that we can really know what God's ways are is if we take ourselves to the Word and we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us, that's what He does, to reveal to us what's here. And then the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to walk in these ways. Jesus also modeled what it means to surrender our will to the Heavenly Father. In John chapter 5, verse 30, it says, By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. Listen, for I seek not to please myself, but Him who sent me. So Jesus submitted to the Father's will. He surrendered to the Father's will. Listen to Luke twenty two forty two. He said, and this is very familiar, I think, to all of us in the garden. He was praying, Father, if you're willing... Take this cup from me. But then what did he go on to say? Yet not my will, but yours be done. How many times in our lives have we said, God, if there's any way I can get out of this, please, please. But we have to follow up that prayer by saying, but God, not my will, but your will be done. And God makes a way. He empowers us. So what does that mean for us? Well, Submission is the prerequisite for surrender. So it's not until you and I are willing to die to ourselves, to set aside our perceived rights and privileges, and to bring ourselves under the direct care and control of the Heavenly Father that we can then submit ourselves to His will instead of ours. That's, that's surrender, but we have to submit We have to submit first. And again, I'm going to say it. We can do it because he's given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do this on a daily basis. Jesus is our example. Here's a third thing. Jesus modeled what it means to speak the words of the Heavenly Father. John 14, 24 says, Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So... If, if Jesus models this force, what does this mean for you and I? The language that Jesus used, the language that Jesus uses consists of the language that the Heavenly Father has given us. Where did it come from? It came, it came from here. It's the language of the Heavenly Father. So you and I, I, I'm going to hit on this hard, we need to be so involved in, so familiar with, so in sync. With the word of God that it naturally directs the words, the phrases, the concepts, the ideas, the thoughts that come out of our mouth. God's word should be our native language. let's say that again. God's word should be our native language. And Jesus modeled this for us. Um, Jesus modeled what it means to do the heavenly father 's work john seventeen one through five says this after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you, for you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent in verse four it says, I have brought you glory." on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. So Jesus modeled what it means to do the Heavenly Father's work. So I'll ask the question again, what does that mean for you and I? Well, I think of a couple of things. The first thing I think of is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, or his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Uh, He created those before the world was ever, ever formed. And so that means uh, everybody is included in the work that God has. No one's excluded, and everyone is needed. But thinking about how Jesus modeled this for us, it causes me to go back to Luke chapter 2. Jesus was 12 years old. Uh, they, had, they had gone to Jerusalem um, when they started their journey back. Mary realizes My boy Jesus, he's not with us. And they couldn't find him anywhere in the caravan. So they went back to Jerusalem. And where did they find him? They found him in the temple. They found him in the temple. And when Mary said to the sweet Jewish mother, why did you do this to me, Jesus? Why did you do this to me, Jesus? He said, didn't you know? I I had to be about the Father's work. I had to be about the Father's business. And so Jesus modeled this from, from, from his youth. That everything we do, we have to think about everything we do. It's about the Father's business. So we have to continually ask ourselves, what does it mean for us? Whose business am I about? Am I about my business or am I about the Father's business? What evidence in my life reveals that I am continuously, consistently about the Father's business. Jesus modeled this for us. Um, here's another one. Jesus modeled for us what it means to be certain of the Heavenly Father's love. In John 15:9, he said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So I ask this very simply one last time. What does that mean for us? Well, Jesus had no doubts concerning the Father's love for him. And in the same way, you and I must not have doubt about how much God loves us. I think it's very easy in our frailties and our blunders and our failures to think, God, how could you love me? If you really look at what I do, what I say, or what I am, how could you love me? But, but that's, that's not the case. We must be assured. Listen to how uh, Paul describes God's love in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. He says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, listen to this, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You were not excluded from this Holy Spirit inspired passage. You could insert your name in this in, in, in these verses. Jeff, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Maria, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Kim, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. You can take this and you can turn it into your own prayer, your own confession, your own declaration. And this needs to be deep in our hearts, deep in our spirits, deep in our soul that God loves us. And there's no doubt about that. His love is unconditional. And this is my prayer. This is my prayer for all of us, that we would know just how great this unconditional love. And remember, as, as, as Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, he's saying, this is what you imitate, this humility, this submission. And again, it's not a suggestion, it's a command, and it's Affirmed by John in First John two five through six, it says, "But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them." This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. It's just it's plain and simple. This is what we're bringing our life under. Is doing what God said, living as God has, has, has established for us through his word. So here again, we can say, Jesus is our ultimate role model. And so what a great way on this Halloween day, when all kinds of stuff are going on around the world, that we would say, we exalt you, Jesus, to the highest place. We recognize you and you alone as our ultimate role model. There is no one like you. And you are the name that we will lift up today and every day. When I started this message, I said, this is a great day, as is every day, to focus on Jesus. This is a great day to focus on Jesus. I love how the latter portion of Philippians 2, uh, verses 9 and 11, it it, it, it exalts Jesus. It's doing what we say. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, (laughs) and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Father. Isn't this exciting? This is the Jesus who loves us. This is the Jesus who died for us. He's been exalted to the right hand of the Father. And today, above every other name, every other force of darkness, we exalt the name of Jesus. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.